Hey, what's Yo. up? Michael, welcome back to UFC <laughs> Roundup. Uh, this is Cash. It's Cash's birthday. So before Man. we end the show, let's let's all wish uh Monsieur Cash. He's got a man, he's a man of many names, Monsieur, Monsieur Skellington. Monsieur. Uh, the list goes on. But I mi- I miss my that makes me miss my dogs. This makes you miss your dogs, and there's yeah. a reason that you're missing your dogs because you are about to be finally flying to Utah for this fight. 291 is coming up this weekend. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about your fight. We're gonna talk about UFC London, but let's talk personal stuff right off the bat. Obviously, Michael, camp is nearing an end, the weight cut is beginning. Um, how are you feeling? How is the weight? How was training camp and how excited are you to go? beat somebody's ass this week <laughs> well i'm still currently at the ufc pi there's construction so i'm in this oddly lit room with the echoes a little bit so for my viewers for our viewers you're gonna have to forgive us on this one um they're used to it Michael. Michael. we got we got to deliver you know under any circumstance but man i feel good um you know for people that don't know salt lake city is about 4200 feet in elevation so i had to prepare for altitude so i still trained here in las vegas but I stayed in Mount Charleston, so I trained low and I lived high at the prescription of the UFC PI staff. Um, so training's just been good, man. I, I had all the right partners, uh, and I, I got to give a shout out to to three of them, namely Daryl Walker. Um, he he had he has like that wushu kind of kung fu style. So I got to get some of that because we all know that Kevin Holland he's a he's a true martial artist himself. He's got a kung fu background, so. I had Daryl to kind of give me that martial arts look when I needed it. Not to mention he's six foot four. So in Holland, he fights a middleweight, um, fairly green for MMA, but really, really good striker. And then I trained with the Urbina brothers. So, oh, um, nice. you know, those guys fought contender series, ultimate fighter, like real veterans, r- real high level veterans of the sport. And they pushed me, man. So I had all the right partners. I trained at altitude. My weight's on point. Like, all signs are pointing towards me winning this fight. And I got a funny story for you. And I got to tell you. So on Saturday, which was July 22nd, I was killing time at the record store. And, you know, I have a record collection at home. And as I was about to leave, I pulled back the the letter N, the divider, uh, in the rock and roll genre area of the store. Yeah. And when I pulled it back, the very first album in the front was the Ted Nugent self-titled album with Stranglehold on it, which has been my walkout song. Yeah. For like 15 plus years. So like the training's <laughs> been good. I'm having all these good omens. I feel great physically, mentally, Paul. I'm ready to fight. And you just raced this last weekend. Yeah. Or no, you worked, but you had yeah. a race not that long ago. Yeah, I just got back from London uh last night. Yeah. Um, but but just speaking of that, I, it's so funny because I can remember anytime I fought, you're always looking for those those little signs, those little omens, those little indicators that things are going in the right direction. And uh it, it it may mean nothing, but it, it matters because it, as long as it clicks something in here, right? Especially when you're starting to cut weight, you're getting a little bit miserable. Those little signs um, really do uh, keep keep you going, man. Um, but let's talk. Speaking of, yeah, I mean, the only thing that's been on my plate, obviously, I, I've got another race coming up, not till September, but um, obviously, I love going to to the UK. I love going to London. I got to go over there and work Aspinall Tibora. And, you know, now that it's over, I, I mean, I got to say, I kind of thought that this was how the fight was going to go. Tibor is as good as they come. He's as tough as they come. But Aspinall just had a way about him this week that after all that stuff that he went through with that knee injury, I think he really wanted to prove that he is one of the elite, one of the absolute best heavyweights in the world. 
And he did exactly what he needed to do. After that devastating knee injury to Curtis Blades, the fight never even got going. He went out there and made that crowd, uh, you know, get what they missed last time. But, man, 15 fights. I know a lot of fans were kind of messaging both of us when we put our questions out there that it was a bit of a slow night. I think the UK has been spoiled over the years, and this one kind of slowed things down a little bit. There was a lot of rough decisions. We had two lightweights that went out there. Um Faraz Ziam and uh, Jai Herbert, that two fabulous strikers decided that they were just going to become wrestlers on um, Saturday night. I, I, when I see both those guys, I got to have a talk and be like, what the yeah. hell were you doing out there? Yeah, that was that was a uh, that was a little tough to watch. But then there was fights like my boy Johnny Parsons, you know, made yeah. his UFC debut. And that's a guy that I've trained with for over 10 years. You know, he looked really good. And and, uh, you know, Julia Stoliarenko buzzed through Molly McCann. I mean, look. I know Molly is like a, she's like she's like oh. a cult favorite amongst the fans. But that fight was such a bad matchup for her. That that girl is big. That girl struggled to make thirty five. I'm pretty yeah. sure Ranko like trembled off the scale one time and got pulled from a fight at thirty five. She, she faint. He was like fainting. Yeah. Yeah. So for a big grappler like that, that's an uphill battle for Molly. And when you talk uphill battles, you got to talk Marcin Tybura. Like he he's played spoiler before, you know, against guys like Alexander Romanov handed him his first loss but i mean tom aspinall he's big he's fast he's, he's hungry, fast michael very fast. fast like he moves like a lightweight this is a guy and i know everyone's talking about putting him immediately in the talks for a title fight rightfully so but we got to remember there's another guy that fights i almost identical to him and sergey pavlovich who's a very fast starter who's got a ton of first round knockouts and to me it makes sense to have those guys fight. I put oh. this tweet out where I said, if John Jones beats Stipe Miocic, most likely he's going to retire. So yeah. you could do Sergey Pavlovich versus Tom Aspinall for the vacant heavyweight title. But if Stipe Miocic plays spoiler and beats John Jones, you put those guys in a number one contender fight in a main event, probably in England, and then they can hash it out and see who fights Stipe. Or somewhere next else in the UK. That that's my thing. Yeah. You know, I, or Birmingham. We used to do and, Birmingham. Yeah. Yes, another city. We were talking about it after the fights. It's just, I love London. I love it. But listen, mm -hmm. the UK and England itself has so many other cool cities with different cultures, like just you know, unique things to go see over there. Um, and I, I, I want to go back over there. I want to go to England even, but I'd love to go to Scotland too. Wales hasn't had a fight. Um, we can go back over to Ireland too and do that. We've done Northern Ireland before. There's a million different places that we can go, but um, it, it was a great event. Nonetheless, also, I got to give a shout out to Nathaniel Wood and um, yeah, Feely. Man, they put on a fighter's fight. Davy Grant and, um, Marcos had an incredible fight. So there were the main card had some really incredible fights, um, really close fights, especially Feely and and Nathaniel Wood and Marcos and uh, Davy Grant had just very close fights. Somebody walked away on both those fights. Very disappointed. I got to talk to to um, Davy Grant about it. He's a he's a true trooper. He but he was upset. I didn't get to talk to Feely. I know he thought he won, but that one I, I thought that. Uh, I, I just thought Nathaniel Wood was a little busier and a little more accurate in that third round. It was a crucial round. Anybody could have stolen that fight. It was one apiece going into that third, no doubt. What, first round, Nathaniel Wood. Second round, Andre Feely. And it was all about the third. But, um, yeah. So I'm, a I, big, I mean, I'm a big Feely guy. You know, and, and for me, my obviously my bias probably clouds my judgment a little bit with this fight. But it's like that third round, like – 
you have to press like, yeah. and that this, and this message goes for Nathaniel Wood as well, because he didn't win that third round by a large margin at no, all. It was close. You know, that was, that was, was a coin flip round in my opinion. For any young fighter out there watching this, if you are in a dogfight that is one and one headed into the third round or two and two headed into the fifth in a title fight, you can't fight clean. You have to just go for it, especially yeah. like that that round stays close and you have to be aware as this round is transpiring that at some point you have to put the pedal to the metal and take a chance to win because there's no otherwise, worse feeling, otherwise no worse you're feeling than walking yeah. out of that octagon and wishing – I would have, I wish I would have just went for it more. And I'm sure yeah. Andre Feely's feeling that right now. Like no pun intended. His <laughs> nickname is touchy Feely, but you, you want to at least go out there and take the chance to win and not hang your head. Like, dang, did I do enough to win that third round? So I agree. Yeah. Um, tough man. Tough. But again, thank you, England. Thank you, London. Yeah. I just hope with the way Paul Craig performed too. I mean, down at middleweight dude looked incredible. Shout out to him. And uh, I just think there's there's so many cool places that we could be going over there and just other countries over in Europe. Um, yeah. Now that the world is kind of getting back in that direction where we're moving around a little more, I hope we get to see some just way cooler cities too that we haven't been to in a while. But before we um, start getting into our five rounds, we got to talk 291, which is coming Ooh. up. Obviously, the fans wanted to talk more about awesomeness and sandwiches this week, <laughs> which we're going to get into in a little bit, which, guys, we love. Yeah. We want to talk everything. Torture. But, Michael, I know obviously you're involved in this event, so we'll talk a little bit. We talked about your training camp, but let's talk about uh, the main event, co-main event real quick. Um, mm. Dude, the BMF belt oh, is back on the line. And truly, truly, there couldn't be two more worthy guys than Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. These are guys that go out there and either win or come out on their shield. They lay in on the line every single time they fight. They've been in absolute dogfights. They've been hurt, busted up on the way out and have come back, rose from the dead to win fights. It's it's a fighters. They're fighters, fighters, and it's that kind of fight. Every fan that follows mixed martial arts, you can't possibly not be excited about that fight. Listen, we're making up. We made up belts so that Nate Diaz and, and Jorge Masvidal could fight when they fought. And I'm just glad that now he gets to pass the torch and we're going to keep it going. Listen, sometimes your main event doesn't need to be for a world title. This belt is now there so that we can make the baddest fights in the world be the, the main event. You know what I mean? I get tired of seeing people diss on the BMF belt. It's a stupid title. It's like it's almost like you're discrediting the fight. Like, yeah. look at the fight for what it's worth. Okay. It's gonna this is a five-round worthy main event. And now when now that we've we've moved on to our second BMF title fight. And essentially it's a, it's a belt that's universal to all weight classes because Hori Masvidal is going to be there to pass the title on to whoever wins. He's actually going to be in Salt Lake city. I think it's, it, it's making it start to gain traction. And when people want to like, you'll hear a lot of boxing pundits like disrespect the BMF title. And I'm like, who are you guys to say? You got a thousand governing bodies. There's an IBF, an IBO, WB. Like, I can't even keep track. There's so many belts in boxing. You know what? This is the UFC. The BMF title is very deserving. And you have two guys, like you said, they laid on the line every single time. And in this instance, and I mean this with all due respect, when you compare Nate Diaz and Hori Masvidal to Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier, look, Masvidal, he has gotten to the top and he's got to fight for the title twice. But I, you look at his record. There's a lot of losses on there. 
And I say yeah. that with all due respect. He, one of his wins is me. So this is coming from a guy that he's beat. Dust, Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier are, are both championship caliber fighters. Like if there was not a man named Habib Nurmagomedov <laughs> that was at the top of the mountain. Or Charles, or Charles Oliveira. Or Charles Oliveira. Both of these guys could have been there. undisputed world champions. So it make, it, it, I think it, it, it gives the title a lot more substance because now we're getting our second BMF title fight with two guys that are elite, like the elite of the elite in one of the, in one of the toughest weight classes in the UFC. And when you look, the way that Justin Gaethje fought Fazeev is the way he's going to have to fight Poirier. He's going to have to find a way to stay disciplined because that's what got, that's how he lost the fight the first time. He started to have too much fun, got a little too reckless, and he got caught. Yeah. So he's going to have to fight Poirier the same way he fought Fazeev. And for Poirier, just do what you do, man. It's, it's such an amazing fight. Yeah. It was an amazing fight the first time. It's going to be an amazing fight this time. It's just you talk about two guys that there's absolutely no chance it's going to be a boring fight. It's just yeah. true. They live. They both live up to that every single time they fight. There's, We've said that about other fighters, and then it's kind of like, oh, wow, that fight really didn't you know, come to fruition. But this will – and that's not even the bad – And you know, there's another bad fight on that, the co-main event. Well, obviously, you, Ooh. Michael, you're on that card. But yeah. we got to talk uh, Jan and, uh, and Pareda. Um, and this now means a whole lot in this division, mm. even more so than when it was probably first put together because obviously – Jamal is just tore his Achilles. Mm -hmm. So he's out. Um, there's, they haven't put any belt or anything or an interim belt or made any announcements yet. Right. On what's going to happen next, but no, trust me, these guys want to go and put their foot forward and get the big W because they're probably then going to be fighting somebody for this vacant belt. Dude. When you talk Jan Blahovitz versus Alex Pajeda, I mean, first, you got to talk about the late kicks. I mean, Jan, we saw what he did to Magomed Ankalaev. Absolutely butchered his legs. I'm surprised that Ankalaev was able to get through that fight as a whole. I mean, Jan Blahovitz, I there's the pull. I know he's got the Polish power, but I don't know what it is that's in the legs because the legs are made of like Polish steel. Yeah. And then you look at Pajeda and the way that he fought Izzy, he, that low calf kick that he throws, that really weird, awkward angle, and he's so long, he just sneaks it in there. Um, for me, obviously I'm a very wishful thinker. And the, the one thing that comes to my mind when I think about this fight is I, I, I have, I would love nothing more than to see Alex Pajeda fight Yuri Prohaska because that might be the craziest fight we would ever see at light heavyweight. And I also want to give a big shout out to Jamal Hill because he, 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 to me is still the undisputed champion. And I feel so bad for him with the injury. And I know that this is going to be a tough fight for him to watch because these guys are jockeying to fight for his belt. Um, but nonetheless, this co-main event has huge implications for the division. And, and I believe that whoever wins this fight goes on to fight Yuri Prohaska. And I, I'm in for either of those fights. But the idea of an Alex Pajeda versus Yuri Prohaska fight could be insane. Did you ever did you see that video online where it was like Pajeda doing his bone arrow thing and he yells? And then it snaps over to Yuri in the woods and he's doing his rah, like his oh, yeah. it would be epic, I'm like, dude. I'm here for it. it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Did you see the clip of Pajeda um, sparring a pro boxer? It looks like oh. and he's just getting his face pounded in and doesn't stop moving forward ever. And it's funny because like if you go to a boxing gym for people that don't know, there's like there there is an etiquette. Like if you're like, I'm not going to wear headgear, they're almost like, oh, you think so, huh? Yeah. Like you're not going to wear headgear, you're going to get you know, messed up yeah and for him it's like he's going against the guy who's got like 
the nice groin protector from yeah. winning, the winning headgear, boxing shoes, all this stuff. And Pajeda's like in his fight shorts that are tight, no, shoes. no headgear. And he's just thumping this guy. And that guy, I believe, was an Olympian. So, you know, this was no spring chicken. This was a seasoned boxer. So, I mean, and, it's, and the other thing we got to talk about before we move on to is, is the weight. We're going to see Pajeda up a weight class. Like, yeah. for people that don't know, if you ever see this guy in person, you will think, how the hell does he, he weighs four, he would weigh in four pounds less than what I weigh right now. <laughs> just, just, and if you see him, the guy is a monster. So he's fighting in the optimum weight class and it's going to be interesting to see how he performs. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, you know, and just real quick shout out to obviously Kiesa and Holland on the card. Thompson. Shoulder twitch. Uh, you see that? Look at that. Look at that shoulder twitch. Gonna, oh, see it? Look at that, right? You got a little twitch. Right. You got a little twitch. Oh, you oh, need carbohydrates, yeah. my man. Tony Ferguson, <laughs> right? Bobby Green, that should be bananas. Um, it's yeah. a great card. Only yeah. 12 fights, which is so nice to hear. I'm sure John Anik and DC are – I hate them that they get to call a 12-fight card and not the 15 that I just had to call in London. And but- easy fights to call. And they, when they moved Alice Skarov and, and Costa, when they scratched that fight, now the main card, there's nine ranked fighters. Uh, or no, let's see. So there's what? It's a six fight main card, five fight main card, five fight main card. All but three fights are ranked fighters. Crazy. Holland, Holland's unranked, and then Green and Ferguson. So I mean, you're yeah. getting a stack of main cards you're gonna get. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, with that being said, two ninety one this weekend. Uh, gonna be awesome. But um, let's talk some food. Let's get some five yeah. five rounds going here. Round one. <laughs> hey, hey, Mike, Mike Paul, what does your average meal look like before cutting weight versus after you weigh in and when you fight? Uh, so that's pretty easy. Um, at this point, you know, and when you're going through the weight cut process, it's just proteins and fats. So it's eggs for breakfast, steak or chicken throughout the week, uh, or, you know, for lunch and dinner throughout the week, a little avocado. Mm-hmm. And then once the weigh-ins are over, baby, it's carbs. Bring on the carbs. Um the only thing I really avoid is I, I just stay like, I like to eat pasta. I just avoid the cream sauce. So I just like to mm-hmm. stick with like olive oil, garlic, chicken, a little bit of steak, no fiber. Like I just stick to the, the carbs, baby carbs, carbs on carbs. Carbs are king. Um, when I fought, yeah, it was pretty horrible. It was like, I'm not yeah. even kidding. Michael knows what I'm talking about, especially oh, yeah. five. I mean, and Ian Larios, who I worked with, would make it look amazing. It would be mm-hmm. this big. Yeah. It would be like a little half like a chicken thigh with shaved like slices of avocado around it, some micro greens, maybe a little diced mango around it, a little <laughs> bit of chilies on there, and it would be delicious. But I'm not kidding. I'd be licking the plate afterwards, wishing that I had more food. And then he would give us these little like uh, oh, peanut butter in cacao like energy balls and those are, those I, I are ask them, I'd be like i just want those yeah i, I would eat those all fight week yeah. we make those at home i got the recipe from lockhart and leaf and yeah. kelsey makes them what's your go-to after the fight though oh so for after i i would sometimes risk it and go get some sushi after mm-hmm. i would eat like what ian would make for me though so it would be like but that's like after the fight be, like a big thing of potatoes and maybe some eggs after the, the morning weigh-ins after yeah. I rehydrate it. Then it would be like a big giant bowl of white rice mm-hmm. with some chicken and maybe some fruit or something like a fruit sauce or something mixed into there, like a Thai type thing. Yeah. And then for dinner, if there was a really good sushi spot nearby, after I'd already kind of filled up with really good stuff, 
And I would still keep that clean. It would be a lot of like actual just nigiri, you know, fish on rice. Not, yeah. I wouldn't get anything too saucy or fatty or anything no. that could really upset my stomach. Um, what about after peanut M and M's? Always would let myself have some peanut M and M's after I made weight. Oh, but after the fight, what about after, after the fight? I mean, pizza, beer, call. burgers, everything, hoagies, cheesesteaks. What? Yeah, what, what? It's on ice cream. I don't really have a state. I mean, pizza is usually like because pizza is the you, there's no there's no way to eat pizza in camp. There's no way to like no. structure it like oh, I'm gonna have a cauliflower crust with this and that. Like no, you just can't sucks. have pizza. So I, I usually like I like barbecue chicken pizza after a fight. Yeah. Oh yeah. All dude, whatever whatever shit bad for you food I can get my hands on is yes. is what I would get to. Yeah. Roll it all up in a burrito and eat it. Round two. Yeah. Round two. Oh, oh Tal's yeah. cat who watches yeah. MMA are uh, one of our biggest fans here. When you have, uh, when have you tried to impress someone with your cooking prowess, be it a sandwich, steak, or what is that, etouffee? Is somebody saying that right? I don't know. And it went terribly wrong. Anything from burnt to over-seasoned. Uh, and what was the reaction of the person you cooked it for? Good luck this week, Mike. Um, Michael, do you have any really horrific, uh, like, date night or, you know, for your wife? You tried to make something real nice for Valentine's Day and it just was absolute crap. I do. I actually do. Um, it wasn't for like a special holiday, but like Kelsey's dad bought us this rec tech smoker and I've never smoked meat. I've only used like a barbecue and I bought this really nice brisket. Like I bought this like $80 brisket, like real nice grass fed. We got it from the farmer's market. Like this thing was so nice. And I was like, Oh, no problem. I'm going to whoop up this brisket. And I told, I don't remember if I overcooked it or undercooked it, but I remember I just totally screwed it up. Like, Kelsey took a bite and was like, I could just tell. She's like, mm, it's good. I'm like, oh, it's bad. Like, oh, it's not yeah. good. And it was like late at night. We're both hungry. There's no food in the house. I just had like, we just bought stuff for like, usually like we don't keep a house full of food. It's like, what do we want for dinner tonight? We'll just like go to the store and get what we want because the store is just down the down the way. So yeah, that was a bad one. I, I haven't lived that one down in the Kiesa household yet. Oh, yeah. I mean, the only one I can remember in recent time was not too long ago. I tried. I tried. Christine is usually the one that likes to make dinner because it's she's efficient with it. And it's just it's it gets put together much better than when I do it. So not too long ago, I tried. I was like, I'm making dinner tonight. I'm making like this pasta primavera type thing just with vegetables. It's the only one that ate it. Everybody else thought it was absolute like, no. garbage. Pan. And I was so, I mean, I was kind of like fake butthurt, but I was butthurt. I was so mad. Yeah. I'm like, I tried to, you know, step up, make dinner for everybody. And oh, no, Ashley wouldn't touch it. Christine didn't eat it. So screw you guys. That's why I don't cook dinner anymore. Round three. Let's see what we got here. Um, you're getting a sandwich. Do you want to toast it or not? If weight cutting isn't a factor, white bread or wheat? Oh, white bread. I mean, yeah, no question. white bread for sure. And I like, and it just depends on the sandwich. I mean, now round three, now the hunger is starting to kick in. These, now I'm going to start talking about a lot of scenarios. Like if I'm having an Italian sub, I want it cold. And I want it on white bread with like the salami, the ham, the prosciutto. You know, I want, I want the cold cuts. But then if I'm having like a Philly cheesesteak or a chicken parm sandwich or a French dip, fr ugh, I would murder a French dip. Oh, that sounds yeah. so good right now. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. It, it, it definitely depends on the sandwich. Like there's grinders, yeah. there's sandwiches that you want, like that kind of melty bacon, cheese, ranch type sloppy sandwich. And, uh, you know, 
if I'm same thing, if I'm having a classic hoagie, I, I want that baby cold. I want some like oil and vinegar on it and all that kind of stuff. The classics. This is bullshit. Man, this is I'm, I'm we going gotta, to We got to keep moving here. Michael <laughs> is going to end up eating the, the uh, computer screen here. Oh, I want Michael. Bread. It's so, so close. Bad. Michael, round four. Don't worry about it. We're moving on. Hey, Mike, what's your, oh, God, what's your favorite <laughs> sandwich in your hometown of Spokane? Working at 12 oh, tonight. Dude. Mike, get it door dashed and send you a pick to make it worse, make the cut even worse. So I'll go ahead. What's your, what's your go-to, Michael? If you had to do right. it right hey, now. Hey, send a man 420. I'm want you to blaze it up and go get some Dominies. <laughs> Dominies has really good sandwiches. I went to school with, with Domini girls. Um, I do like subdivisions. Subdivisions really good. Um, yeah, Dominies or, or subdivision. Oh, what's that? Ooh, what is that? What's that, Paul? Mm. That looks deluxe. What some, is some Indian's pretzels heated up for me here and put, put some cheese on one. Oh. I didn't even know this was coming down right now, Michael. I apologize, but... <laughs> This is a buttery. I'm gonna eat this microphone. That's all. Oh, pretzel right now. I'm going. Hold on. I'm going to heavyweight. I'm over it. Round five, Morgan. I'm hungry. I want to go eat my protein and fantasize about bread. Hey, Mike. I have a question. Are you jealous? I'm eating an Oreo (laughs) mix. Mm, it's so tasty and delicious. I'm sure you really wish you could eat one right now. Well, let me tell you something, Michelle Pajeda's Top Control. <laughs> I know you're not eating anything because you're probably like 195 pounds right now. That's a big welterweight. And you know what? I'm not jealous because an Oreo McFlurry doesn't even really sound that good. I want no. bread. I want a sandwich. Like Bread, right? I don't really crave like ice. Like when I get to this point, I don't. I don't crave sweets. I just crave like wholesome food i want to have a slice of pizza i want to eat a sandwich i want to have some sushi i want to have a teriyaki bowl i want to have even just toast with butter right man when i had my eggs like if i have just eggs like it's like today i had like four eggs with two egg whites and avocado i'm like if i could just have one piece of bread to go with my nice so you know what michelle pajeda's top control i hope you enjoyed your mcflurry because it's not what i want right now i want bread you know what that's bread baby and, and what it was for me too is I, I I would crave some sweets, but when I started actually cutting weight, all I crave, dude, soda, soda, Coke. I crave yeah. Coke, just like I an crave ice. Co- oh, Coca-Cola, mm. Coke. I always that, see for you, it's the peanut M and M's. Yeah, for me, it's a Coca-Cola. I'm like, mm. I want, I want a, I want Coca-Cola in a can or in a glass bottle, and I usually do it like in my weigh-in dinner. Once I've had like the good refueling from the PI, yeah, I'm that's like, fine. That's fine. Because my my dessert, my little nightcap at the end of the night, I don't know why, but I love granola with blueberries and almond milk. So usually like when I'm done eating for, for the night, that's like the last thing I'll have to kind of, I guess it's kind of a dessert. Pop but like my off. bad thing after the weight cut is always the Coke. Chael Sonnen used to drink a Coke right off the scale. Like he would literally be at weigh-ins with Mike Dolce, and he would drink a Coke right off the skin. Bro, what do you think? What do you think the first thing I consume after a race is? Coca-Cola. About four of them. Because you've nice. depleted, you've depleted all the glycogen in your system. What do you think you're doing when you're sucking all that weight out over the course of a day? Yeah, you know what else sounds really good right now? A cinnamon roll. Mm. Mm. I have to go. To the, I, have to go to, I have to go to the mall to get like a white T-shirt, a blank white T-shirt. For my media day or for my press conference outfit, and I know I'm going to walk in there, and that Cinnabon is going to sting the nostrils. Well, listen, before Michael loses his damn mind thinking about delicious <laughs> food, he's so close. Here we are. 
fight week it's almost there michael i can't wait to watch you go out there and do your damn thing man you've laid it all on the line you did everything you're supposed to do for this camp brother we love you we can't wait to see you do no matter what goes on out there we know you're going to bust your absolute ass and try to get that w and climb the ladder let's go so everyone give your shout out to freaking kiesa this week send them your love for roundup Send them, send them pictures of those damn sandwiches. Send me some sandwiches, baby. Love send sandwiches. them over. 291 this weekend. Kiesa, main card. Go and check it out. Send your love, and we'll talk about it post-fight, Michael. I can't wait to talk after the victory, brother. Peace out, guys.